Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And this is the scripture in Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 through 28, that establishes the fact that God expects leadership out of us, that God expects leadership. It was in his image and after his own likeness that he created us. And he said, let them have leadership, dominion. Let them take the rightful place of being leaders, superior creatures to all of the other creatures that are on the earth. Let Male and female, both male and female, there's only two choices, male and female, and he didn't make a mistake and created one way and then it had to switch up somewhere along the way, but he created them male and female in his image and after his own likeness. So whether you're male or female, you are in God's image and after God's likeness. So that means that there's got to be a superimposed impression of what God really is, because I know that me and Sister Lachey are not the same physically, but we were both created in the image of God and after his own likeness. That kind of equalizes the playing field and that God knew exactly what he was doing when he made man and when he put man to sleep and took a rib from him and created woman and closed up the flesh thereof. That's what the scripture says. And I'm only going to preach the Bible. I'm not going to preach, you know, opinions, perspectives, argumentation, laws, and all of those things. I'm just going to talk about the fact that God created us to have leadership, both male and female created he them. It also tells us that the instructions were to subdue the earth, have dominion over the earth, as well as the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and everything that moves upon the earth. Everything that moves upon the earth. Everything that moves upon the earth. All right. Now, that's an interesting concept and an idea because we limit ourselves to um, trying to be ruler over each other when our focus and our concentration of leadership should be to lead everything that moves over the earth. In fact, the Bible tells us later in the New Testament that all creation groans and travails together until now, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, because it was made subject by the creator in vanity for us, which means that it was for our beauty, for our use, for us to have dominion. Now, there are situations and there are things, things that have power and rulership over us. But it's important for us to know that there are three types of leadership or three levels of leadership by which God wants us to operate. The first level of leadership is that we should have personal leadership. Everybody say it's personal. personal. Say, excuse me, don't mind me, it's personal. Yeah, so we're, so we're developing personal. You didn't come to church for somebody else. You didn't come to church because it was mama's day. You came for the personal growth and development that you need in order to grow, develop, and be the man or woman of God that God had called you to be. 
And so it's personal. And then there is this professional leadership. That's our outer image, but it's also what we profess. The word professional doesn't mean job. It means can you do what you claim that you can do. To profess is the same as to exclaim or to speak aloud. So as Christians and believers and as God children, any God children in the room? Yes, so so God children profess salvation. So God wants us to have professional leadership. He wants us to take leadership in what we profess as Christians. If you are a Christian, you should go where Christians go, do what Christians do, live like Christians live, and be as blessed as Christians are blessed. How many blessed Christians do I have? All right, now that's your profession, right? You speak that. That is your profession. And then the passion is the third one, passion, passionate leadership what you're passionate about. You can tell that I'm passionate about leadership and learning. I'm passionate about teaching and leadership. I'm very passionate about that. No matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I, where I find myself in life, when it comes time to do what I'm passionate about, guess what happens? I do it with a vengeance. Because if you think about it, the enemy wants to stop whatever your passion is, pervert it and point it in another direction. So really, instead of being outgoing, instead of being um, um, uh, noteworthy in your in your community, noteworthy in your field of work, noteworthy in your home, the enemy's got you kind of buckled down and backed up and feeling low about yourself. And so we have to learn to release the passion. Look at somebody and say, release the passion. Make sure you're looking at the right person when you say that. Don't don't look at the wrong person. So the definition of a leader, the definition of a leader is a person who influences others toward achievement of a goal or goals. That's what a leader is. And it's some female leaders. It's some women leaders, some lady leaders. It's some woman leaders in this room that I think will be blessed by this message today as we look even deeper in the scripture. Now, I'm not dedicating the message only to them because there's some men in the house as well that are also recognizing that we have all been called to leadership. We have all been called to leadership We have all been called to leadership. There's not a human alive, according to Genesis, the first chapter that we read, that hasn't been called to leadership. Not everybody steps up to leadership, but we've all been called to leadership. And if we recognize our life's calling, then we can do it personally, professionally, and passionately. We can do it personally, professionally, and passionately. If we recognize it now, if we ignore it, what happens is that we cheat ourselves and we cheat the entire world and the populace of people that could be blessed by us answering the call of leadership. We've all been called to leadership. There's not a human alive that has not been called to a level of leadership. Even the children are called to a level of leadership. Watch her with her iPad, her, her, her ThinkPad, I believe it is. And she's always orchestrating some lesson to the kids. After service, before service, during service, she's like, right here, learn. This is how it works. These are dinosaurs. And this is how, I mean, she's always, that's leadership. It's in her blood. I know two generations, three generations of that has flown down to her. And she's a fourth generation leader in education. And so I'm not just speaking a prophecy over her life, but that's what's manifested in her life at seven years old. When I recognized her mom and her grandparents for going to Haiti, she came to me and she said, Pastor, I came from Haiti too. She went to Haiti. She went on a mission trip just like they did. She said, I went on a mission trip too. And so I'm showing you that leadership doesn't start when you get older. Leadership doesn't start after you get to be 17, 27, 37, 47, 80, 77. It doesn't start there. It starts early. I believe at seven months, there were signs and indication that this young lady was going to be a leader. And so as I'm speaking this, I'm not just speaking over her, but there's all the seven-year-olds and those who are, you know, acquiesce to the levels of leadership, be leaders. 
Don't be followers, be leaders. If I start calling names of some of the adults and how you lead other people in different directions, lead people stronger, greater, and in other directions, and I know it to be true. So let's not negate the fact that leadership exists. Let's not negate the fact. Just stay focused on the fact that we have three levels of leadership that we need to fulfill. And they're personal, they're professional, and of course, passionate. You're getting that, right? You're getting it. And if I were you, I would just ride this whole lesson out until you've mastered it. How many feel like you've got leadership capabilities that you've not exercised yet? You got some leadership in you that you have not exercised, right? And then there are those who say, you know, well, I'm not called to be a leader. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Because when Jesus rose and he spoke to his disciples, he says, I, I command you to go take leadership, take this experience and go tell other people, teach them, baptize them, lead them toward the father. So if you are a believer, there's leadership in you and there are no background leaders. That's an oxymoron. If you're in the background, you're not leading. You say, well, can you lead from the background? No, once you start leading, you lead and there's no longer a background. When that praise team is singing, that's a praise team. I know, but they just the background. No, if we, you drop out the background and see what happens. You see what happens, right? Have you ever been out there just singing, 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 and you're like, well, where's my backup? Well, even the backup has a leadership responsibility, and that's not a secondary position. And I want to speak to that because there are a lot of ladies, there are a lot of women, there are a lot of mothers, there are a lot of single mothers, single mothers, who feel as if their chances and their opportunities for leadership have been completely squashed, and that's not true. That is not true. Mary was a single mom. Why did the room go quiet? You mean like Jesus' mother Mary? Yeah, she was a single mom. She was pregnant before she got married. I'm not glorifying that. I'm explaining something to you. She got married. And then after a while, Jesus around 12, 13 years old, dad kind of goes off the scene according to scripture which implies that there's a great possibility that she spent many of this young man's years without Joseph being around. History tells us it's possible that he died right around 40 or so because that was the life expectancy of many of the Jewish men of that day. And so we don't know the details, but I want to say that even a single mom can be a leader. She is a leader. She has a responsibility to leadership. To influence others toward the achievement of goals. Sister Lachey said it in prayer this morning. There's not a mother alive that doesn't want the best for her family. And so as we look at leadership, we have to look at some principles. Leadership is a shared responsibility, although, although a single mom may appear as if she's doing it by herself. She's really not. I know of three entities that's with her if she's saved, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if she's got wisdom, goodness, and mercy, and prudence, and all of those other attributes, along with the fruit of the Spirit, she's an unstoppable force. Are there any unstoppable women in the room? Some of the ladies are like, I think I am. I think I am. No, you are. You are. And I'm going to show you in the scripture about the influence. The second principle of leadership as it relates to all of us, not just the women. Leadership impacts everything. Leadership has an impact on everything. There's nothing that isn't impacted by leadership. This building is standing because someone took leadership as a contractor and said, all right, put the hole in the ground right here, and we're going to build up the foundation, pour the cement, put up the steel, put on the roof, the walls, all of it. Leadership impacts everything. And then leadership is a God trait that's given to us all. And I already kind of exhausted that concept or that idea in Genesis that it's a God trait. It's a God trait. 
I didn't get it from my mama. I didn't get it from my daddy. You get it from God. And God so happens to pass it on through generations, the blessings of leadership. And so as we look at this, I'd like for you to go to Genesis, the third chapter. And I want to share something with you. And this is when the plot turns. Somebody say the plot turns. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Does this sound familiar at all? Uh-huh. The lady's like, yeah, 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 we know the story. This is for our edification. This is going to help us to understand the influence of leadership. This is going to help us to understand the impact of leadership. This will help us to understand that leadership touches everything. Everything. Second verse says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods. Notice the little g, not the big g, little g, knowing good and evil. Sixth verse says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he did, what did he do? Eat. Eat. Couple life lessons right there, real quick. Ladies, be careful who you talk to, okay? Don't listen to everybody. Two, be careful of the initiative that you take to do things. Notice Satan didn't give her the fruit. The serpent, she took the fruit. She literally reached out, grabbed the fruit. She looked at it, first of all, when she was told not to even look at it. So she was being disobedient because of her inquisitiveness and because she was enticed by listening to the wrong dude. I mean, serpent. I mean, snake. I mean, brother. I mean, she was listening to the wrong voice. Am I correct? She was obviously listening to some lowlife who, you know, wanted to see her fall and was jealous of her man back in the camp or wherever he was. She accidentally, accidentally, because I know she intentionally, intentionally entertained the wrong guy. Y'all got quiet again. How many ladies would be willing to admit you've listened to the wrong guy at some point in some time in your life? How many guys would be willing to admit that you didn't say the wrong thing to somebody in your life? We admit the fact that we see a situation here that was inevitable. It could not have been avoided. And we cannot rationalize and say she should have, would have, could have, and should not have because that applies to us more than anything. I want to give you kind of a quick fast forward and then bring you back that even before the foundations of the world, the lamb had already been slain and God had a plan. He knew our capacity our inadequacies, he knew our weaknesses, and he knew our ability to be swayed. So he already had a plan. Now that doesn't justify it because the movie still has to go through scene after scene after scene. That's why we still have to confess with our mouth, believe with our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead in order to be saved. That's why we have to come before the throne to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. That's why we have to present ourselves before the Lord that he might be able to cleanse us and wash us because it's not a foregone conclusion, but the opportunity for our salvation exists. It existed prior to the fall. That's a whole nother message. Maybe we don't have a day for that. This, this is Mother's Day. But so 
Seventh verse says, eyes of who? Them both, Adam and Eve, that man and that woman, both of them, their eyes were open. Because her mouth wouldn't shut, their eyes were open. See, I got quiet again. Because she was talking to somebody she shouldn't have been talking to. And he wouldn't open up his mouth and say, stop talking to my wife. Uh Uh-huh. He won't step up and she won't. I didn't say it. You did. You did. You did it. See, y'all can help me preach this thing. Come on. So you know the story, right? You know the drill. And this is what you call participative learning here. We're learning about the history of the conditions that we're in right now. This is where it came from. And this is what has brought us to needing to somehow regain the leadership that was lost over our personal lives, our professional lives and our passionate lives. Are you with me so far? Okay, so the seventh verse tells us that the eyes of them both were open and what? And what? (gasps) They were what? What's naked? Uncovered. Clothes is not the issue. Because there's some folks with some clothes on and they're still naked. They didn't get quiet on that one. She was like, I know that's right. (laughs) It's people with clothes on that are naked. There are people who are uncovered. I'm not talking about the the, the skimpiness of your attire. I'm talking about the frailty of your spiritual covering. And no matter how much you cover up on the outside, if your spirit is not covered, your soul is not covered. If your, your, your soul is not covered by the Lord, then you're not covered. What happened between verses six and seven, that their eyes were open and then they knew they were uncovered. Because naked wasn't the issue. They had been frolicking around without any clothing for, for years. I don't know how many. We don't know if it was thousands of years or not. I know it wasn't in a few days. And if it was, a day with the Lord is as a thousand. I know that's a whole nother thought process, isn't it? So you're trying to tell me that they was running around naked. Didn't they get cold? No. No, they didn't even know that they were naked and they weren't uncovered until they entertained conversation that advocated leadership, that took away from them the leadership. And so what happens here is that we see that they knew that they were naked and then they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons, aprons, aprons. You've seen an apron, right? It only covers part of you, right? So all that was out in the back. Isn't that a ridiculous thought? I mean, if you're going to cover up, cover all of it, right? I mean, they made aprons. Now, somebody said, well, they made aprons because they knew they were going to have to work. Well, I don't know. So the apron indicates the fact that they were only partially covered with the fig leaves that they sewed together. They sewed together fig leaves thinking that it was going to somehow suffice for their nakedness. They thought that by putting on the attire to work and humbling themselves to being covered like other animals, that everything was going to be okay. I'm talking spiritually here now. And so leadership is still the focus and it is still what weighs in the balance right now. Verse number eight says, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. How smart is that? I mean, after all, it was the trees in the garden that got them in trouble in the first place, right? So they're hiding themselves among the very thing that separated them from, well, let me get this right. You in the church, fall from grace, but you hide in the church with some leaves sewn together like an apron. So you working in the church 
and hiding in the church, but yet you run from the voice of the Lord. They got quiet again. Oh, you thinking? Well, I need somebody to say, I'm thinking about this now, preacher. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that maybe that there is some revelation in the fact that the leadership that we have so easily pushed ourselves away from is wrapped up in this fight that occurred and nobody ever threw a blow. There was this warfare that was taking place. Oh, no, it was not flesh and blood, but it was principalities and rulers and darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. How could the serpent have so much power that he can strip them of their authority and strip them of their covering? And now they're naked in the garden with a little apron trying to hide among the trees of which they could have eaten any of the fruit except the one that they were not supposed to. And that's the one. That drew them. Hmm. I didn't write this, but this is some good word. I agree. And so, so it says this, it says this, it says this. And the Lord called unto Adam and he said to him, where you at? <laughs> King James says, where art thou? Regular English says, where are you? But where I'm from, where you at though? That statement wasn't because God couldn't see him. The question wasn't rhetorical in a sense that, you know, he was just trying to play with Adam's mind. No, God really meant Adam. Check yourself. Where are you? This is what gets me. And we might have missed it. He didn't call Eve's name. Now, I did find out something that you're going to see in just a minute. Oh, he talked to Eve, but he didn't call her name first. He said, Adam, where are you? Isn't it amazing? And every time God asks a question, he already knows the answer, right? When Jesus asked his disciple questions, he was like, Where do, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? You know? And he knew the answer. So, so God knew the answer. Brothers, where are the brothers at? Man, you didn't go to sleep on me, did you? You still here? Yeah, so where you at, Adam? Where you at? Adam, where art thou? On Father's Day, I'll just preach, you know, a message right from this. And then, yeah. Well, no, he says, he, he asked him, where are you? It wasn't because he was lost. GPS didn't stop working. His iPhone battery didn't go dead and he lost Google Maps. That's not the case. Google Earth was in full effect. And God was like, I see you, but do you see me? I know where you are, but do you know where you are? I know the woman you're dealing with. Do you know the woman you're dealing with? I'll get to you in a minute, Eve, but, but Adam, you need to check where you are, brother, because you're about to go down. Because she wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't speak up. I know you're thinking, well, why she got to shut up? Why she got to, why she got to, no, everybody always say the woman got to shut up. Why the woman got to shut up? The serpent did not come to Adam he slithered up next to Eve because she would entertain this conversation. Adam would have been like, man, please. It just kept on. At least I like to think. I know these women are like, mm, I don't know. Okay, let me tell you this. How many women believe you got power? So much so that Adam listened to you over God and Satan. He <laughs> said, help us, Lord. It might be too late. It might be so deep. That, that we just got to ride this thing out, right? Maybe it's so deep that the influence and the leadership of a woman is so powerful that she has the ability to speak in spirit realms 
and control the entire world, or at least the outcomes, at least the outcomes. That's not exactly a happy place to be right now, at least not, not at this point. I mean, she wasn't called queen, mother earth, none of that in this. Right now, God ain't even talking to her. He like, Adam, where's she at? What, what, what? I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I know there's some, there's some women that said, I ain't never coming back to that church again. <laughs> Ladies, I love you and we're going to get there in a minute. I'm going to dig you out. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. So it says he heard the voice in the garden. He, he, this is what he said. He says, I heard your voice, thy voice in the garden. It's funny. He heard God's voice, but he ignored Eve's voice when she was talking to the serpent. How you going to hear God who has to come from wherever he is? And you right here with Eve talking to the serpent. You didn't hear that? You couldn't hear that at all. You had, you had blocked her out. That's what it is. Just, she's just like, so he's like, whatever, whatever. You thought she was talking to the birds, the bees, the flowers, the trees. No, she was talking to the serpent and you should have been listening. You should have been checking the phone and be like, well, who is this? They got silent again. There was split. It was like a generational thing. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor said I should check your phone. No, I didn't. Don't, don't you, don't you dare blame that on me. I was using a hypothetical theological epiphany that if Adam had a phone, you heard what you wanted to hear. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. I told you to give me. Don't call. And please don't come calling me for no counseling. Don't you do that at your own risk. All right. At your own risk. So God called Adam. He said to him, where are you? Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked, Eve? I mean, who told you you were naked? Who told you? That's another question. That's another question. Where are you and who told you you was naked? Where are you and when did you get the discovery that you're not covered by me anymore? Where are you and can you give yourself a self-evaluation? What do I have on? Do I have on a false sense of masculinity that is only, only in operation when I'm around a woman? Can I be a man when I'm by myself? Am I, am I naked to her or am I naked to me? Or do the animals, am I shamed because the animals are looking? I mean, after all, I mean, I have a responsibility here, right? We already read the part about when they were given dominion and they were told to be over everything. So now there's shame in the garden. Now there's nakedness in the garden. Now there's the separation between them and God. And Adam is being interrogated by God right now. And he says to who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you not to eat? That's another question. Don't you just hate questions? Ladies, newsflash. If you ever want to communicate with a man, limit your questions. And if you got a whole lot of questions, ask God to help you to modify them into statements. And then ask him, what do you think about that? Because question after question after question after question after question after question after question. It's not men's day, it's mother's day. That's how we were made. Why? Because that's where it reminds us of that dreadful day that we were separated from God. Because when God interrogates us, we can't answer. When you interrogate us, ain't nothing we can say to ever make a right. So 
I always come back with, well, what would you like me to say? <laughs> How about that? In fact, here, take, send me a note as to what I'm supposed to say. Please, ladies, mothers, wives, wives-to-be, allow God to do the interrogation. Because guess what? Just like Adam was sitting there watching Eve talk to this serpent, Eve was sitting there watching Adam talk to God. She wasn't talking in, was she? She had her mouth shut. <laughs> Be careful, man. You got to go home. Just, just like, you know. He's like, I know that's right. She didn't have nothing to say. She had her mouth shut. That's what she... No, she was probably stunned. Maybe, perhaps, she was, she was in reflection, like, what have I done? Maybe she was in a place of remorse. We'll see in just a moment. The plot thickens. And the man said, what did he say? Blah, 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 blah. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. And I'm not, and I, I'm going to tell you something. The scripture goes on to read where God has a conversation with Eve. God questions Adam first. Men, you have the first responsibility to leadership. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the Scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope. 